Hello, world singers. My name is Brooke. And I'm Tyler. And this is Cosmere Cosmere Conversations. What a year it has been. What a Cosmere-filled wonderland we have been living in. Would you say it was a Cosmere? Yes. Yes, I would. (laughs) I don't know if that pun really translates in audio format, but... I don't know if that pun translates in any format, (laughs) but I think that we have had an incredible 2021. We did our entire Rhythm of War breakdown. We have been over on the Patreon doing some nice little book club with the Skyward series. Yeah, book club and Patreon episodes have been such a great addition, I feel. To close out this year, we want to celebrate Coloss Head Munching Day, aka Brandon's birthday, with the State of the Sanderson leading us into 2022, plans that are in the works, books that are being written, and the spoiler stream that Brandon just did this weekend or this previous weekend. So a one-two punch of spoiler stream goodness. We've just picked out a few of the questions and answers that we found the most interesting and all of the goods from State of the Sanderson. Okay, to be honest, not all of them, but all of the ones relating to the Cosmere. There's too from many. The State, of the, Sanderson. the State of the Sanderson is now too large. The Sandersonian universe. He has an incredible number of projects going. We're going to keep it Cosmere focused. Let's start off with some of the updates and information going into 2022. I think the biggest news clearly is the Lost Metal, the final book in the Wax and Wayne series, is being released, we believe, almost a year from now, Christmas 2022. One year, yes. So begin your reverse advent calendars we instead of counting down to christmas we are counting down to next christmas it's just going to be a whole year it's a very long advent calendar you're going to get chocolates shaped like coloss every single day that's what i'm imagining y'all can imagine whatever you want for the next 365 days you're going to hate coloss by the end brandon has said that this upcoming book the lost metal is about 50 percent longer than the other books in that series It feels like each one of those books has gotten longer, more dense, more Cosmere aware. And yeah, I mean, it is the final book. So he's trying to like wrap up all of the different threads in that book. And we know he's also trying to set up the next Mistborn eras and the future of the Cosmere. Yes. With probably a very long break in the Mistborn universe going a different route after this. I don't know if it's actually going to be... Oh, you mean break in world or IRL? I think mainly he's after the Lost Metal is released. Almost everything is going to be about Stormlight 5 for two years or so. All oh. of next year and into 2023. Yes, so he's I think not the plan to... is to do Stormlight 5. But as soon as Stormlight 5 is done... I believe he's, he's gonna, going right back yeah. to Mistborn. Mm-hmm. That's not something that was in State of the Sanderson. So that is speculation. speculation that was not disclosed recently. Definitely 
in the state of the Sanderson is that alongside the Lost Metal, there will be the debut of the leather-bound editions for the Alloy of Law and Shadows of Self, the first two books in the Wax and Wayne series. So if you are a collector, that will be coming. Save your pennies for late 2022. And then let's go on to Stormlight 5, because as you said, this is the big thing that Brandon is going to be spending most of his 2022 on. Uh, He said that the release is hopeful for Christmas of 2023. He did give a caveat in State of the Sanderson that it could possibly be spring of 2024. For which which we will all weep now. Collectively, we weep together. It broke my heart a little bit. He's also going to break a trend that has been so lovely to see with his release schedule if it does get pushed back to 2024. However, we will give the man all the time that he wants. Maybe not all the time they want. I don't want to <laughs> walk myself into a We will not a be Martin that generous. Situation. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, Brandon. You will have until 2024 <laughs> yeah. at the very latest because I need to know After what that, happens. We riot. Yes. Stormlight 5 is a huge moment in the Cosmere. It is obviously going to hugely impact everything going forward. But before we get the actual fifth Stormlight book, we're expecting another novella rumored to be from Rock's perspective. Well, not rumored. He said specifically it would be about Rock. But yes, the Rock novella, he is hoping to get out in summer of 2023, so just a little bit before Stormlight 5, um, and that will be uh, coinciding with the Words of Radiance leather-bound Kickstarter, which is coming up. So many things for the collectors, for the fans. Those are kind of the Cosmere things to hold us through the drought because it's going to be a long and difficult one, friends. We have gotten through droughts previously by sticking together, and we're going to get through the next drought, but I am pretty excited overall about 2022. Clearly, we need to do a Wax and Wayne reread so that we can be prepared for the lost metal. Definitely. For some reason, I just have a really hard time holding the details of those stories in my mind. So full reread will be definitely happening. But jumping outside of the Cosmere, we're actually... I did add one non-Cosmere thing because we've talked about the Skyward and Cytoverse series on this podcast before. We're doing it in our book club over on the Patreon. So I threw this in here if I haven't convinced you yet to start reading the Skyward books during this Cosmere drought. Here's another plug. We plug it mainly because the Skyward series has a lot of interesting things going on in terms of the production and kind of the logistics that may come to play in the Cosmere. Brandon's kind of testing out some different partnerships, group writing, partnered writing for the novellas, and that may come to play in the Cosmere. No announcement on that. However, we definitely will be seeing another novella released maybe when this is out, probably when this is out. Yeah, like the day this comes out, maybe? And so you can follow up with Evershore, the novella that takes place after Cytonic, and there will be planned one more major book 
defiant coming in 2022 so while we're not getting a whole bunch of cosmere stuff we are getting some more brandon stuff yes and brandon said interestingly that his uh novel Defiant, this last book in the Skyward series, quote, will mark the end of this first sequence, end quote, meaning similar to a Mistborn Year 1, Mistborn Year 2 type scenario, there's going to be a whole other sequence of novels in this same universe. I don't know if it's going to be the same characters or if there's going to be a time jump or whatnot, but I'm really excited that there's going to be more uh, in this world. Without giving any details or spoilers about the Skyward series, I'm definitely excited about a maybe another look. It's a wide, wide universe that Brandon has at his fingertips, but we have really stayed focused on one character, a couple of friends, the novellas kind of add a little bit of shading, but it has been very main character focused and the world is just waiting to be explored or the whole universe is yeah. waiting to be explored. I'm wondering if this next series of books is going to be like from one of the characters that we've gotten a novella about maybe like a spin-off type thing. I could also see it going an entirely different direction. Like totally. Oh, yeah. Being from an alien race's perspective yeah. and then maybe some of the events of the Skyward series bump up against that alien race. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, he is also planning on writing more novellas in that world uh, with his co-writer Jancy. And he also mentioned that him and Jancy are adding another co-writer to those projects. I believe her name is Darcy something, but I was really surprised at that. It seems like it would be very difficult to write something with three authors, but... I'm not a writer, so what do I know? I think that is the key, is that if you have these partnerships that are working well and that you kind of develop a system that can be successful, and I feel like with Jancy, we've already seen it be successful, then there is a lot of potential. I am not saying that I want this to happen in the Cosmere, but I have said I would be okay if we were getting additional stories that Brandon otherwise wouldn't write yeah. if he was adding in additional individuals. And I wonder if it would be Jancy and Darcy or if he has other people that would be Cosmere specific still to be discovered there. I was really surprised in the state of the Sanderson to read how many uh, co-writing projects or like co-collaborative projects he already has going on. The man's busy. The man puts in work. I know. He wakes up at 9 a.m. and begins to write until 5. I don't know if that's his actual schedule. No, but he did give some interesting info about his schedule that I did not know prior to this. He has two writing sessions per day. One is from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. Mm. And then he breaks to spend time with his family. And his second writing session is Evening. from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Ooh, that is a very specific type of individual. I was going to say, that. he's got to be an extreme night owl. Yes. I do find that super interesting, but I don't want to get tied up in like yeah, the process just a, just details. a fun tidbit um i did want to drop this one quote from state of the sanderson for those of you who have been reading the skyward books brandon said quote there will be more 
but book four also involves some major changes and interesting turns, so I won't say more now. Other than that, if you love the series, I can promise you more is coming, end quote. I'm excited. Major changes and big turns, oh yeah. One of the big turns that we have been clamoring for for years, before we even started this podcast, you were saying, when is there going to be a Warbreaker sequel? Yes. And of course, Elantris, Brandon's earliest book, left in the dust as the Mistborn and the Stormlight became more popular, and that was his focus. We now have at least a mention of when we could start to see some work begin on Warbreaker and Atlantis. He puts this in every year and is like, sorry, guys, still haven't written it yet. Um, He did say that he is tentatively planning on working on the Elantris and Warbreaker sequels after Stormlight Archive 5. We'll be really excited for any more tidbits from the Warbreaker world. And I feel like he started talking more and more about the Warbreaker sequel, which is tentatively titled Nightblood, like just dropping it, you mm-hmm. know, when he's like answering questions and stuff. I feel like it's on his mind a little bit more and he's kind of feeling like, okay, I really do need to get that story written well, after with th- where we are in the Cosmere right now. Exactly. Yeah. After the events of Teravodium and Nightblood's key role on Rashar, it definitely has got to be in his brain all the time working backwards or working forwards i don't know when nightblood's going to take place but like it would make a lot of sense that as he is wrapping up and writing the stormlight series he is working a connecting thread Mm -hmm. to figure out how all these things arrive at the location that he's going to need them to climactically conclude stormlight archive Another exciting thing that is coming soon is the White Sand Omnibus. So it'll be all of the White Sand volumes packaged together. At first, I was not very excited about this. We already have all three books. And I was like, "Mm, I mean, whatever. It doesn't do me any good. But. Yes, this is a big but. I saw that there actually are some extra goodies that are going to be in this omnibus, including, quote, there are 38 new pages at the beginning revised text and art throughout, a new map and glossary, and 14 Ars Arcanum pages, end quote. Now, White Sand has always been kind of the interesting one-off. It has a, a kind of storied history in the Cosmere because it was a work that existed in novel format, but was never published in that format. I believe Brandon released it at one time for like a special thing, but then yeah, you could find it uh, online in novel format. That was then turned into the graphic novels that are available and that we have talked about previously, which were... There are some issues. Filled with some problems. And it definitely felt like one of those projects that Brandon kind of gave authority away and it didn't necessarily go as smoothly as he was hoping. Yeah. Well, plus, I think just with all the issues they had with the people on the project Mm -hmm. exchanging out and things like that, it's hard to keep things straight when you have turnover like that. Exactly. And with a omnibus, I like the potential of kind of taking the best parts and the good that was 
that does exist in the White Sand universe and on Taldane. And of course, is like the beginning of Chris and her story in the Cosmere. Like it's big stuff for the Cosmere. Putting it in an omnibus, I think, is a great call. It was always the way that I came to my favorite comics. I never was a week-to-week type of reader. I was always buying, you know, at first it was like Watchmen and V for Vendetta, kind of the big ones. And then there's like Batman omnibuses that collect all of the comics from a different series into one. And it just makes for a much smoother reading experience with the addition of more pages the ars arcana more information i just feel like it's going to work out really well yeah and he said also that in terms of the quote-unquote revised text he is updating some of the text to be like more in line with vocabulary that we've seen used in the cosmere more so he's really like trying to bring it into the cosmere proper next we have some non-book related things because despite all of the writing projects that Brandon has going on, he is also working on like a lot of not book things. I don't understand how this man has any time. I have said this before, but it's baffling. I really feel like Brandon's religion has got to be a huge motivating factor. Obviously, religion is important to everyone on an individual spectrum, but I feel like Brandon and the LDS Mormon philosophy just have merged into a perfect individual. Basically, I think that the concept of having a higher calling, a kind of a, mm. as Adolin does and all the people do on Rashar when they are trying to best serve God and best like move forward by doing the thing that they are good at and like accomplishing their goals and growing, I feel like that's what Brandon is doing with his life. He's saying in some way, you know, God put me on this earth to write books and create stuff <laughs> and like have this mind and, and the situation that he happens to live in where he can be a publisher in this way. And he's just going like full steam ahead. Yeah, I thought I did think it was interesting at the end of the State of the Sanderson. He like gave a really heartfelt thank you to his fans and his readers and said that his like biggest fear is that he'll like overwhelm us or that we you know i don't know there will be too much and he was just like i can't thank you enough for like letting me be Be your storyteller (laughs) yeah and i'm just like oh my gosh i'm always afraid that like his fan base is driving him crazy because we're always like more 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 that's the thing if you are a individual who thinks that kind of like what you have to offer is really good and great and he's got more in the tank like it's just deep well down inside of him yeah he was like as long as you like want me here i will be here telling you stories we want you brandon we want you all of that is to say that he is going to be telling more stories in different formats for example he has his own audiobook company now it is called mainframe And he has some projects in the works that are similar or sound similar to what Graphic Audio does in terms of producing audiobooks with a full cast and sound effects and music. I would say this is closer to a radio play from back in the day than a traditional audiobook. The graphic audio format 
often includes you know materials that would be sent to you you order this stuff you get the audiobook but you also have other things so you're like following along there's maps and it kind of depends on the different project but i see a lot of potential and a lot of possibility especially if he is bringing over the superstar audiobook michael kramer and kate Reading. Yeah, they are still going to be working on projects for Mainframe. I think the first thing they're doing with Mainframe is the Don Shard audiobook that is coming out very soon. Those two can do whatever they want. I certainly will support anyone who's taken a slice of that Amazon pie as they've just monopolized every single thing. It's a difficult business to be in, but I think this kind of treating it as a medium that is a little bit more advanced than it is currently treated as. Mm. Like it has a little bit more potential than anyone's tapping into in full. And his stories obviously are going to really benefit from this. I don't think all of the audiobooks he puts out are going to be like that. But Mm -hmm. having his own audiobook company allows him to streamline the process and allows him to be able to release audiobooks at the same time or near the actual book release. A lot of times people who prefer to read via audiobook, you know, for whatever reason, have to wait a really long time until the audiobook comes out. And so with his own company, he's going to be able to have a lot more control over that and hopefully get them to fans quicker. Now, the one thing that fans have been really, really interested in for a long time, there have been many whispers. There's been some action But now we have straight from Brandon himself word on the Mistborn feature film. He is writing it with a very hands-on approach. He said he's written a lot of treatments and even some scenes. And he, quote, feels very good about the motion on this for the first time ever, end quote. I definitely... That's exciting news. Of course it's exciting. It's the most exciting. We have seen Kelsier be integrated into one of the biggest video games on planet Earth in Fortnite. And for a long time, Mistborn was seen as the most likely property to be adapted. Brandon feeling good about this very much reminds me of John Green and his journey to get his first book turned into a movie, which had many, many false starts and many problems until eventually the rights expired with one company and were picked up by another. Brandon has definitely gone through kind of a similar process with the ups and downs of production to hear that he is a highly involved, that it is part of the process from the beginning that Brandon is writing in like a executive producer kind of role in the work brings a lot of happiness to me. I hope that It is not overwhelming, Brandon. If we get one little trailer that drops, maybe in 2022, maybe in 2023, and it's something simple. I just need like dark, misty night, cobblestones, and then just a single coin drops down on the ground. I mean, I think we're very far away from a trailer still, but... (laughs) You never know. They make trailers really early. Like there's a, you know, (laughs) Deadpool was created trailer first like they built the whole movie after they made one trailer the other big question mark for feature film or tv production is stormlight archive previously we've talked a bunch about how stormlight could be done lots of people have gotten into the 
recent League of Legends show on Netflix, Arcane. There's been talk about anime. There's been talk about video games. There's been talk about graphic novels like White Sand. But from Brandon himself, he has said... He is, quote, working very hands-on and creating the Stormlight Archive as a premium cable television show, end quote. He doesn't know necessarily when it will happen or who is going to be working on it with him, but it is possible in the future. And I think that's perfect. What I would really love to see Stormlight Archive as is exactly a premium cable TV show. I think that's the only way you're really going to get enough time, you know, because even if there's only eight episodes, let's say that's eight hours with the characters versus three, maybe four hours in movies if you split it into two. This is the way to go, in my opinion. Very excited that at least it's like kind of moving forward. Now, I think we have three examples, maybe by the time that this actually gets into production, we'll have four major examples in HBO's Game of Thrones, Netflix, The Witcher, and Amazon's Wheel of Time. Amazon is also releasing the Lord of the Rings prequel. I don't know too much about that at this point. Those are kind of the big properties that are similar and obviously different points of their run and whatnot. Which of those three properties would you most like the Stormlight Archive TV show to kind of follow or maybe uh, model themselves after? I mean, I think I have to say Game of Thrones, at least at this point, like you said, they're kind of in different points of running. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the aesthetic quality of Game of Thrones was good. I really love the costume design Mm. in the other two shows, especially Wheel of Time. There's really cool costume design in that show. So costumes maybe more like that but in terms of just like overall look i would say game of thrones i think game of thrones especially the early seasons of game yeah, of thrones yeah that's what i'm thinking they to me match the best in terms of pacing and timeline mm-hmm. and the way that the politics kind of slowly develop over a season and the action kind of slowly builds rather than something like The Witcher, which is kind of more of a episode of the week, you know, kind of a, he's killing a monster this week. They do a good job with The Witcher of like, I feel kind of keeping the spirit of video game alive mm, in it, which is yeah. how a lot of people have experienced the yeah, story you have of the like Witcher. Quests, and then you go off on that quest and then kind of like return to the yeah, main. Yeah, which I like. I like when there's little hints or little connections to the original medium when it's adapted i think that the wheel of time for the first season has been really impressive you mentioned the kind of production quality i would love to see the production quality of the wheel of time mixed with kind of a different pacing that we yeah. see in Game of Thrones. Yeah, in terms of like story and adaptation for Wheel of Time, I feel I like it so, could have been yeah, yeah. done a little bit better, which I think Brandon also agrees with. <laughs> Let's do some honorable mentions and some just like final detail bullet points of the State of the Sanderson. One more super fun thing that is coming soon, and Brandon and his team have been posting about this in the days since State of the Sanderson was released. There are minifigs 
that are going to be coming out of the characters from Stormlight Archive. They're being created in collaboration with Brotherwise Games, who did the Call to Adventure Stormlight Archive. And this is the first time that the characters' appearances are going to be canonized, which I'm a little bit sad about. It's always a hit or miss type of situation because we're clearly creating these characters in our head. I, for one, have a very difficult time imagining the Harry Potter characters as anything except for those three actors. <laughs> and I grew up with the books of Harry Potter before long, the movies before, were made. long before the movies. Yeah. So I I used to have a version of Harry, Ron, and Hermione mm-hmm. that was my own. And now I do not. It is only those three actors. And so there's always that risk. But I've been really surprised and loved the creations that brother wise games has made and so yeah thumbs up they're doing it all in collaboration with brandon's team with isaac and the other artists that have been working really closely on all of that and brandon has been really clear that he wants to continue creating space for fans to create their own interpretations In terms of projected release schedule, honestly, it is pretty sparse when you take out the non-Cosmere things. In terms of Cosmere, here's what we have coming up. February-ish, there will be the Dawn Shard audiobook. And then November-ish, The Lost Metal, which is Wax and Wayne 4. That will come out hardcover, ebook, and audiobook at the same time. And then, as Tyler already mentioned, honorable mention to Evershore Novella from the Skyward series coming out imminently. That wraps it up for the State of the Sanderson 2021. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you, everyone. But we got more. We got spoilers coming direct from the man himself. People were throwing out questions. We had the Jothwu hanging out on Reddits. We had all of our different favorite characters throwing out great questions. And Brandon was in rare form the other night we watched it on like three times speed just to not three times it was pretty fast (laughs) and it seemed like they were having a wonderful time brooke and i are just going to go back and forth kind of reading questions and answers as you can imagine people a lot of the questions we pull out the answer is raffo read and find out these are also going to be mostly paraphrased because the stream was quite recent and it is very difficult to transcribe all of it. So paraphrasing, here we go. Quote, in Way of Kings, when Shalon enters Shadesmar for the first time, something grabs her ankle and pulls her down. Is the thing that grabbed her testament? Answer, Ratho. I forgot about this entirely. Me too. I, I love no this idea. call out. I think Brandon actually said that before he said Raffo. He was like, people forget about this scene, but uh, Raffo. <laughs> the questioner did not forget. And yeah, way to go, questioner. I wonder how many other things there are like this. So that many. Brandon I'm has sure. hidden in and will come back later. And we will just be having a podcast in five years. Be like, how did we miss this? How did we read the book series five different times and miss it every single time? <laughs> Because Brandon's amazing. That's how it's done. Basically. Question. Quote, in Bands of Mourning, Wax sees a fantasy of Vin in the Mist. Have the Mist become a self-aware splinter of harmony similar to how the Stormfather operated with honor? Since the Mist 
tuned Vin to be able to take the shard of preservation. Do the mists remember Vin? And are they still connected to her, similar to how he returned is connected to their former self? End quote. Brandon said, great theories. I like where you're going with this. For example, Syl responds to connection. There are times when she looks differently than she should look because she's responding to those threads of connection. And he said often when he's writing investiture or beings of investiture, they respond to echoes in the spiritual realm. Very interesting. I really like that idea of responding to echoes in the spiritual realm and that question, of course, because we see the spiritual realm as a infinite, both like outside of time and space and still deeply connected to the physical world and therefore the myths and, and the cognitive realm as well. Uh, but I... I can't get enough of the three realms that Brandon has created. He mentioned elsewhere that was definitely coming from Plato's philosophy mm -hmm. on the forms. And for the longest time, I've just like deeply resonated with the way that he has interpreted that philosophy. Next one is not a question, just a statement from Brandon. He clarified that Mistborn Era 2 is occurring shortly after the events of Stormlight Book 5, and then Mistborn Era 3 is going to occur after the entirety of Stormlight Archive. So after Stormlight 10 is when Mistborn Era 3 will take place. The time jumps have not been completely worked out yet. They're not precise, but that's a rough timeline. So just something for us to keep in mind as we are rereading our Mistborn Era 2 this next year and when Mistborn Era 3 starts to come out because those books will be released before the Starlight Archive ones. So kind of reverse book chronological order. We had definitely speculated about this because we have the letter from Harmony to Hoyd where he says he is working on creating a sword, someone that can both protect and defend, which he cannot do because of the dual shard wielding and the fighting intents. But yeah, we... I'm curious if he is talking about wax. Of course. Or if he's talking about a character we haven't met yet. No, he has to. Well, I think he has to be talking about wax because he is creating and building wax because the events of Stormlight that's in three is when that letter is sent in Oathbringer. And so he has Rhythm of War and all of Stormlight 5 before mm. Mistborn Era 2 mm. begins and then clearly calls Wax the Sword in that series. So I think the interesting question is, of course, we know that Hoyd is in Mistborn Era 2. He's on Skadriel. Right. And therefore, we know that he has to find some way off of Rashar. And the question that I have is, do other people, maybe Shalon, maybe Yasna, but do other people go with him? Find that way as well. Good question. This is also a good question. Quote, was Ba Edo Mishram connected to all of Rasharian Spren before becoming unmade? End quote. Rafo, says Brandon. Of course he said Raffo, because that's the big question, isn't it, of just what is going on with this 
made, unmade, Ba'edo Mishram, the connection, the false desolation, still need a bunch of answers. And the impact, can it be reversed? Can it be hacked? Mm, yeah. Can it be used again? All those are questions that I want to know. Brandon wants us to read and find out. <laughs> yes. Next question. What did the Lord Ruler do all day? He was bored, right? I loved this question when it was it asked. Was really it, good. it was just a whole, this is a much longer answer on like what the Lord Ruler did all day. But effectively, Brandon said, yes, he was bored. But more importantly, quote, he was having trouble continuing to exist. He's dealing with a lot of external pressures on his immortality, making him not quite sane, similar to the heralds or fused. It's not a stable immortality, not like Hoyd has found. The way that immortality works in the Cosmere is always seen as like having a lot of negative or... or There's always of- a trade-off. You don't really get anything for free in Brandon Sanderson's worlds. It seems like what Hoyd has been able to do is to find that stable orbit of immortality, maybe not in complete control and just falling through space, but at least falling and then being pulled back by some gravity so that he has a nice stable immortality, whereas all the other characters who seemingly experience some version of immortality are doing it chaotically. And the Lord Ruler was that kind of force of chaotic immortality that didn't end up too well for him. This next question was really good. And the question is, Denth, Shashara, Arsteel, and Yesteel refer to themselves as siblings, even though they are returned. Does this mean they have knowledge from when they were alive? Does it mean that Vasher is the only scholar who doesn't? Quote, ooh, what a wonderful question. Guess what, Rafa? You're supposed to be asking these questions about the scholars and poor, poor Vasher. End quote. Again, so completely missed that. And the yeah, difference. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. It makes a lot of sense, though, if Vasher was always on the outs, not just because of the. Yeah, eventual he's like clash. the rando who yeah. doesn't have his sibling apparently if it was four siblings and vasher like that would be and well i think it's two and two like yes, and shashara are siblings, siblings and then arsteel yes still are siblings and then apparently random vasher and then, yeah just vasher i am the fifth wheel is he the fifth wheel was there another was pair? there another yeah, yeah i why are they all siblings like that's weird it has to be something about needing to maintain their former life and the knowledge that they gained in their former life i would think maybe that's why they have memories because they got returned with a sibling and that kind of like well if you've been listening to our book club you'll recognize this from cytonic but maybe that like connection with another person that they recognize who knew them before they helps you remember yeah helps you remember It would, I think, kind of make sense when it comes to the three-realm philosophy if you were, you know, the more connections you have, the more stable you are through the spiritual, cognitive, and physical realms, seemingly, you would maintain more of yourself. 
Or does Vasher have a past that he could access and he doesn't want to? And so he's like voluntarily forgotten who he was before he was returned. It I think could have there's been a just question. a lot of possibilities, I think. Yeah, because I do think that endowment the shard on Nalthus presents, or at least now presents the returned a choice about if they want to return, like a vision. Yeah. And then do you want to go back yeah. to do this thing? And you'll forget that you need to do the thing, but like, I'll send you back anyways. So if there was some type of conversation about what do you want, Vasher, going forward? What if he did choose to forget everything but then regrets the fact because the other four didn't choose that well they chose to come back they so chose to come back but i don't what you don't get a separate choice like do you want to go back and do you want to remember it's like all or nothing i'm wondering if it didn't used to be all or nothing because of the conversation that vasher has with kaladin in rhythm of war about why endowment takes away mm, their memories yeah. it is certainly interesting that's the tidbits that we want more of in the Warbreaker sequel exactly. and just more vasher all the time let's go on to the next one question is quote if you brought a gemstone to taldane would it collect autonomy's light end quote and brandon said maybe it could work out, but the gemstone might not do it instinctively or naturally. He did say that you could definitely capture the door in a gemstone from Elantris. Now, to me, that seems backwards. I would say the door would be harder to capture than Taldane's light because it's seemingly, it's just light. It's so apparent and so, you know, readily available, whereas the door is specifically connected to the planet itself and its geography and all that jazz seemingly would be harder to collect but for some reason with gemstones it seems to be the reverse maybe that's like a solar yeah. panel like i mean he also like he took a while to answer this question and was kind of like eh, eh, i don't want to eh, say this eh, yeah, yeah like i don't really know maybe yes no maybe so take this one with a grain of salt I would love if anybody had theories about why the door would be able to be stored in a gemstone more easily than Taldane's light. Let's go to the next one because the next one's actually not from Brandon so much as it is from Peter. Quote, per Peter, ATM in era one is an ATM electrum alloy called Nalatium. Did Kelsier get Malatium by separating the ATM in gold from the silver in Nalatium? If so, do ATM and gold have similar melting points? End quote. Clearly, this is someone who is really trying to pick apart the fine details. This here. is like so far over my head. I'm like, I don't even know what this question is. Well, asking. I know what they're trying to get at because ATM has always not fit the pattern. ATM has always seemingly been different from the very natural iron and steel you have a pushing and a pulling and you have that relationship that is repeated in most of the main metals and then seemingly just like falls apart in atm and there's been lots of speculation about why and the other weird one has always been gold this person clearly is trying to understand what exactly is in that alloy. And Brandon says, quote, Yes, that's accurate, but 
you can just call it ATM. That's what they think ATM is in world. It's very slightly tainted. But Raffo, I don't think I want to canonize that right now. End quote. Really, really interesting when it comes to what exactly is going on when someone burns ATM versus when they burn gold. We know that the default experience is one of seeing multiple possibilities, but then it gets all confused and mixed up when another person is burning ATM and how they are bouncing off. And gold kind of splits yourself into the you that is and the you that could be. It's all complicated. It's not really clear what exactly it's showing. And so I think that that's what this person was getting at. But ATM is not ATM. It is not pure ATM. It is an alloy and the secondary metal is electrum and that's a fun thing to keep in mind. Next question. If Renarin is homosexual and he is one of the few radians who is bonded with a spren that appears as his same gender, does sexuality have to do with how a bonded spren appears? Answer, quote, this is more of a writing device than an important world building aspect. Same reason why Imbot from Skyward series, presents as male to act as a contrast to Spensa, variation in perspectives and voices, end quote. I've definitely wondered this as well. So it's nice to get a firm answer that's just like, no, it doesn't really have to do with anything. It just allows him to have some variation in different voices. Another popular question about one of the Colin family members question. Is Yasna autistic? And Brandon said that she is not written to specifically be on the spectrum, but he did give the example that his son has ADHD. Um, so he's not on the autistic spectrum, but he is helped quite a bit by going to a school that is supposed to be for autistic kids. The same kinds of like strategies and uh, techniques are useful to his son. And so basically he was trying to say like, look, what is like the autistic spectrum anyway? Different people have different characteristics. He didn't specifically rate her to be autistic, but she is who she is. It's definitely been a recurring question I've seen brought up a lot about Yaza and being on the spectrum and what that means for her character and people like trying to find out. I think part of people like to see themselves in the characters. And I think part of it is Yasna is a little bit of a mystery box. We don't know that much about her. We see a little bit of her in each of the books. But I think that for the most part, people just like Yasna as a character and want to understand her Mm, better. And so they are looking for an explanation for some of her quirks. Yes, her quirks, her intricacies. I think what Brandon is saying here, though, like, Not everything necessarily has, like, a hard-labeled explanation. Like, sometimes people are just like that. And, you know, that like, that's it. Answer this next question for me. Quote, mechanically speaking, how does steel sight work? The scientific definition of metal gets a little murky in the middle of the periodic table. And we see that a powerful enough allomancer can see more than just metals. Are connection and perception significantly involved here? Answer, 
quote, to an extent, but the science of it also is important. I feel like the stronger steel sight is getting, the more it is detecting things like electromagnetic bonds and even, you know, the strong and weak force and some of these sorts of things that is just in everything. And I do think that in the strongest applications, allomancy is going to be moving beyond metals and moving towards things like fundamental forces. So there you go, end quote. What does that mean? It's moving beyond metals. Well, if he's talking about the kind of base forces of all underlying all atoms and all molecules and so more like surge binding where it's like gravity no abrasion i mean yes the strong and weak nuclear forces are you know just like that's what i think of when i think of like a fundamental force yeah i think that even those are a step above because from a scientific perspective and i don't want to pretend like i know science or can explain it that well but i think that you would get gravity from a Higgs boson field and the fundamental forces that exist as a different subatomic particle is traveling through, it kind of moves through a Higgs field and that allows it to collect gravity, which then then spirals bigger and bigger and then you can eventually have a planet. But I basically think what he is talking about is that we should not limit ourselves to the metals as listed on the periodic table and mm. not limit ourselves to thinking of, oh, steel can see yeah. steel and other types of very base metals. No, it's getting at the ability to recognize and understand like when certain things are combined in a certain way. And a metal-like iron or eventually something like steel is going to be arranged all the atoms are going to be arranged in like a very tight and compact way and if that is then what you are seeing and experiencing someone with super powerful steel sight would be able to recognize the difference uh, in and the variation among all things and not just be limited to seeing a specific metal there you go that's my best understanding this question was really interesting. Would an enlightened spren cause a listener to adopt a different form than a normal spren? What about other creatures that have bonds with spren and gem hearts? Answer, that is a raffo, but it would be different. Super interesting. I am very curious if we're actually going to see that in book. Yeah, I am really interested in the listeners, how their gem heart works, the spren within a spren that Venley is currently dealing with and like the competing nature that exists there very aware of the fact that we had at the end of rhythm of war you know a seemingly friendly chasm fiend that oh, was hanging yeah. out with our listeners mm -hmm. why is that is it because it had a certain type of spren bond or an additional gem heart of some type i mean i guess we are gonna find this out because relaine and his Spren and like Renarin Spren, all the enlightened Spren are going to the listeners, aren't they? That's definitely the interpretation that I was Woo. left with. Let's go to 
our next and final question from the spoiler stream. Quote, what was the Fabriel used by Nail that completely revived Seth at the end of Words of Radiance? That seems like an immensely powerful Fabriel, and it hasn't been mentioned since. End quote. Brandon said that during the last days in the height of the Knights Radiant, they were figuring out how to replicate most of the Radiant abilities with Fabrials. And this specific Fabrial imitates the surges of the Edge Dancers or the Truth Watchers. And there were Fabrials created that could do this for almost all of the surges, but not Bondsmiths. Wanted to very much yeah, make he clear. Yeah, very clarified not strongly yeah, that the Bondsmiths were not part of that, but that there are presumably all these other Fabrials out in the world somewhere. We know that this specific Fabrial is in the possession of the Skybreakers and Nail question mark as to where the rest of them are. Now I want a series of like Indiana Jones style adventures. Go find the Fabriel. Yeah, of people looking for these Fabrials. That's basically what we're doing next book. Kaladin is our Indiana Jones. Then we have... Sad Indiana Jones. Okay, Dalinar is Indiana Jones. Seth is the little kid from Temple of Doom, like, Dr. Jones, Dr. Jones. And then <laughs> Kaladin is the, uh, I don't know, the... The hot woman? Yes. I forgot her name, but she is a, a gorgeous Isn't woman. Isn't there always a different one? No, he has one... It's like one, a James Bond type thing. It's not quite like, like James Bond. Hot woman. No, he has one that like continually returns. I think she's out of one movie but she's in like three out of the four total because one Jones of them movies. has like the mean german lady who like is good and then turns evil sorry if that's a spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen indiana jones but if you haven't like what are you doing with your life we're gonna become an indiana jones podcast after cuddling this. excuses <laughs> i of course find the existence of fabrials that can mimic the powers of the knight's radiant very interesting seemingly the honor blades are a type of god created fabrial that mimics the abilities of the radiance well and kind of you know reverse. the radians are mimicking the honor blades the honor blades are mimicking question mark question mark and then we have fabrials that are mimicking the radiance i definitely think that what we got from Rhythm of War points us in the direction and kind of what we've seen from Scadrial in the development of Era 2, that Fabrials are the key. Very important. Like when you get to Fabrials, that is when your eyes should light up and you should really be paying attention. And we have we know that these other Fabrials did exist and may likely still exist somewhere on Rashar. That's what we got for you. This has been an incredible year in the Cosmere, an incredible year of new people coming to the podcast. So thankful for you for listening, whether it's one episode or each and every single one that we've ever produced. You. Yes, you. Thank you. We love that you're here. It has been great having all of these conversations with you, and we very much look forward to having more conversations in 2022 yeah you're not getting rid of us so easily we will be back very soon with more cosmere conversations happy new year everyone until next time life before death strength before weakness journey before destination <laughs> <laughs>